are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to look with me beginning at verse number 28 to launch into the message today. And uh, that's in Daniel chapter 3, where it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language would speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Now notice verse 30, where I want us to fix some, uh, uh, some of our attention on this morning. Then the king promoted, did you notice that? The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now we read that and we think, man, the king loved these guys and they must have been good workers and they did everything they were supposed to do and made him happy, therefore he promoted them. That's normally how it works. You get a job and you do what you're supposed to do. You follow their rules and regulations. You obey their commandments and decrees. And if you stay at it long enough and do it well enough, you will ultimately be promoted as they're able to do that. Uh, on a church staff, those that um, rebel and those that don't follow the program probably are not going to get the promotions as you guys go out and get involved in church ministries. So you read verse 30 you say, wow, these guys must have done everything that the, that the king wanted them to do. That's what I want to show you today. The way that God promotes you is not the normal way. And I've entitled the message today, Call of Courage, Not Convenience. I want to want us to start our trek through this thing going back to verse number one of Daniel chapter three. I want you to see some things. First of all, we're going to take a look at the, at the word temptation. And, and I, I want to show you the, the place of this temptation that we find in verse number one. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof was six cubits and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together together and it gives all these princes and governors and uh, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But the place of their temptation was not an out of the way place. The equivalent of that today would be like Washington, D.C. It'd be like uh, somebody that wanted to force you to conform to their desires would take you to the seat of power. The, the place that'd be the most foreboding. They did not go out into some desert area. They did not go out into the woods where nobody was observant. They went to the place where the very seed and rod of power was. And then they began to uh, unleash their desires of temptation upon these three young men. Not only was the place a prominent position and place, everybody could see, everybody knew about, and by the way, they were intimidated just to walk in there. By the way, if you don't understand that the places can sometimes be intimidating... Uh, then sometimes be summons to court. 
as I was while I was pastoring, and, and we, we, we argued over a, a land uh, zoning deal, and, and, and we ended up having to go to the superior court of the state of New Jersey. Man, you walked in that building, big old tall, huge, high ceilings, and, and, and beautiful wood, ornate uh, carvings, and then the place where the judge sat. You walked in, and it made you nervous just to be in the room without the judge even being there, because you knew, I'm in a place where my life can really be controlled by that man of power up there and that's what we have here the place was babylon and and and, and it was the place of, of power and the place of temptation and then there were the people of the temptation what you notice we find in verse number two nebuchadnezzar gathered together all these people and here, here we see their 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 uh, their their places in in power there were the princes were there the governors were there the captains were there the judges were there the treasurers were there the counselors were there the sheriffs were there the rulers of the provinces were there you talk about an assemblage of a bunch of people that could fix their gaze upon you and make you feel under pressure right there it was Imagine today that somebody was trying to get you to recant from your stand in the Bible and they took you to a place where all the governors of all the states were there, all the sheriffs were there, all the captains of the armies were there, the treasurers of every state and every federal organization were there, all the rulers were there, and they looked at you and said, now recant. Talk about having some people, talk about being in a place they were. But not only was there the place and the people but I want you to see something else. They had a plan. They didn't just get them there and say, well, we hope something happens. They had a plan. And I want you to look at that plan found in verse number 5. They said, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image. They didn't say, whenever you hear the music sound, worship the God of your choice. By the way, for us, that'd be all right because we know who the God of our choice is. They said, if you worship your God, that's not good enough. They said, we want you to worship the golden image. I'm going to tell you right now, there are, the, the, the wicked one out there has a plan for your life. And by the way, so does the holy one. But the wicked one says, I am going to see to it that the place comes into being. I'm going to see to it that the proper people come into being. And when the place is there and the people are there, I've got a plan to cause you to fall. Now that place might be a different spot for you than it is for me. The people might be different for you than for me. For instance, if my dad put pressure on me to do something wrong, that might have, I might be struggling with that. If my dad put pressure on you, you might not struggle with that at all. The devil has the plan. And he says, well, here's the plan. When the music sounds, when the music sounds, all these guys are going to be watching here. All the governors, all the sheriffs, all the province directors, everybody's going to be watching. To see if you bow to the golden image. I don't know what it is that Satan would use in your life. I don't know what place. I don't know what people. I don't know what plan. But I know he's got one. He might have it set up for you to sneak off somewhere and get on the internet when nobody's watching. That's his plan because he knows you're vulnerable there. And you'll get on that thing and look at things that you know are ungodly and wicked. Now what are you going to do? You're going to bow? 
You're going to give in? You're going to do it? His plan for you might be to bring somebody, a people, a person across your pathway that he could use for you to cause you to stumble and to fall. Might be in a attractive, beautiful-looking young woman. It might be a handsome he-man kind of a guy. It might be someone that feels a need you have in your life at that moment. And the devil says, I've got a plan to bring you down. And you bring that person across your path at the appropriate time and watch what you do. It's interesting they used music as a means to getting this temptation underway. I read something about uh, a quote that Marilyn Manson had, uh, had made the other day about music being used in America to get people over to the anarchy side where he wants everybody to go. He said, it is our goal, some of those of us in, in the music business that have our philosophy, um, uh, e even some of the normal rock music people would not go as far as, as the Marilyn Manson crowd does sometimes. But he said, it's our goal that our music would lead anarchy in the streets of America. And yet some of us in this room, we knowingly and willingly allow some of those things to come across our path, knowing that the wicked one would use it to bring us down. Man, if you've got a problem, can't stay off the internet thing, and I mean, I'd, I'd bust my computer into a million pieces. If the devil was going to use that thing to draw me aside, I'd get rid of it. If I couldn't walk into a store without being drawn over to a section where the magazines are and thumb through things I ought not to look at, I would not walk into that store by myself. If I had to go get a gallon of milk, I'd take somebody with me. Why? Because the wicked one has a place. The wicked one has a people. The wicked one has a plan. And it's for you. And some of us like flies that get caught in the spider's web. We don't even know what's happening to us until it's too late. You associate yourself with people you ought not to associate yourself with. You associate yourself with uh, organizations you ought not to associate yourself with. You go places you ought not to go. And the ultimate end result is not promotion that we saw in verse number 30, but those that have fallen into the depths of wickedness and blotted your testimony for the cause of Christ and never can regain the respect you once had. All because you hung out at the wrong place with the wrong people and you fell victim to the plan. Some of you in this room are there. You got a friend that's telling you how you ought not to be in a college like this. Well, then that friend is just becoming one of those people. I'm going to tell you something right now. If God put it in your heart to go to Bible college and he convicted you and you went to an altar and you knelt there and you cried and you prayed and you surrendered and you went, don't let a person turn you aside. Because God will put that person in your way. It might be someone you love. might be someone you respect. might be someone you revere. But if they are turning you aside, they are that person. Well, it might be my grandma. Then grandma just became that person. Grandma, I love you. And I understand you might not know my heart. But I'm on God's track for my life. And I'm not going to turn to the right. And I'm not going to turn to the left for anybody. My grandma, when I first went to Bible college, of course, she was excited about it. She was, she was glad to have a grandson or anyone in her lineage that was a preacher. Loved the Lord, great Christian woman. 
she she started sending me her tithe check. I appreciate that very much. No, I wrote back and said, Grandma, because uh, she she put in, in in the letter. She said, "This is my tithe," and figured couldn't go to any better cause than my grandson or I'll be a preacher. And she meant right. I, I, she she just didn't understand. And I sent back to her, Grandma. I appreciate it. And if you want to give me a love gift beyond your tithe, that's fine. But that, that belongs to the Lord. That belongs to the local church. Your pastor would shoot me if he knew I was taking your tithe, the tithe money away from the local church ministry. And, and please do that. And you know what? She never did replace that with a love offering either. She just said, oh, thank you, grandson. That's great. But little things like that can draw you off to the side from well-intentioned, loving people. We'll ask you a question. Did God call you? Did He? Amen. And did God send you? Amen. And did God authorize you to go? If He did, don't you turn aside for Grandma or anybody else. Amen. But that place and the people and the plan. But the wicked one wasn't done. Because none of that helped his cause. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked around. They said, nice place. Not going to bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked around and said, a lot of people. Governors. The king. Counselors. <laughs> the sheriff. Not going to bow. The plan... The music began to sound. The songs of temptation began to emanate from the instruments. They said, not going to bow. So the king said, I'm going to add something else on top of the place and the people and the plan. I'm going to add a little bit of pressure. I want you to see that pressure with me too. Uh, it starts there at verse number 13. If you look there with me, please. Nebuchadnezzar... Uh, devised this, this pressure thing to put on him, found in verse number 13 of Daniel 3. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought the, these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and, and said unto them, is it, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all the kinds of music, you fall down to worship the image which I have made, well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? <laughs> That's pressure. That's pressure. I've been made fun of as a preacher. I've had guys want to fight me as a preacher. Din Carroll and I had a meeting down in Cape Canaveral, Florida. And uh, it was a youth meeting. And, and I preached that night. And when, when it got all done and went out towards our car, I was surrounded by about 18, 19, 20 teenagers. And they did not like the fact that I'd been preaching against uh, all the standards and, or the lack of standards that they had. And they, they said, and I was about their age, I was only 19, 20 years old myself, 
and they began to call me names. And they said, man, we just want to, we'll take you on right now. And some of it, the circle began to move in. I took off my coat. I was getting ready to fight. I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't take down all 20 of them, but the first couple of them are going to know it. About that time, one of the men came out, one of the fathers. I thought, praise the Lord, it comes to somebody with some sense. He stepped into the circle and said, boy, stop. I thought, good, got a guy that's going to really give it to him. He turned around and looked at me and he said, young man, if I were their age, I'd be the first one to hit you in the mouth. How dare you come down and preach like that? A little bit of pressure. <laughs> a little bit of pressure. I finished preaching a graduation service. And after the service was over, some of the relatives of the kids that were graduating from the Christian school came out to where my wife and I were standing and began speaking in an unknown tongue. <laughs> Things I hadn't heard since I played football in high school. Calling me all kinds of names and just yelling at me and screaming at me and calling my names and, and talking about my mother. And they didn't even know my mom. And, and got in a car and drove out. And about that time, the man whose relatives they were started walking over to me. And I thought, praise the Lord, he's going to call us. Hey, Brother Davis, I'm sorry about that. And, you know, it's okay. And, you know, I, I, please forgive us. And he came up to me, member of the church. He said, I can't use the words they used, but I feel the same way. Wow. And then the pastor stood there and said, Hey, Brother Davis, what, if God laid on your heart and you preach that, good, fine. If you didn't, it's not fine. Oh, wow. That's pressure. Oh, good night. I don't want to preach any more graduations the rest of my life. I don't even want to preach anymore anywhere the rest of my life. That's pressure. You understand what I'm talking about? Just because mom and dad are glad that you're here at Bible college getting ready to serve God full time somehow doesn't mean that you're not going to face times when, when, when they're going to try to alter your path. I was called by one of my good friends when I was pastoring in New Jersey. I had won this man to Christ. He uh, was the Edison of the fire department, or, or the, the chief, of, chief of the Edison Fire Department in Edison, New Jersey. And he said, uh, he said Pastor, I've got a great friend. He's a, he's a police officer here in Edison. He's not saved. His life is a mess. They're, they're, gonna, they're getting ready to kick him off the force because he has an alcohol problem. And I don't want to see don't want to see him crash and burn. W would you go tell him what you told me? He said it changed my life. I think it'll change his too. And I said, Yeah. Would you go with me? He said, Sure. So he made an arrangement in the morning for us to go over to this police officer's house, and no one was there. His wife and daughter were gone, and we went and sat around around the, around the kitchen table for I guess a couple hours. I was able to witness to him. My, my buddy, uh, his his buddy, my my uh, new convert was able to witness to him. And thank God, this police officer got saved. His, his father was the chief of police of Perth Amboy, New Jersey. A rather substantial position. He called me on the phone. He said, is, is this Reverend Davis? I said, well, yes, sir. He said, well, my name is Mr. Jankovich. He said, I understand that you and, and um, Rich Rogan went over to his house and talked to him about religion. He said, I'm the chief of police of Perth Amboy, New Jersey. And I thought, oh, man, I'm in trouble he didn't like me going over because he was, you know, they, they, were, they were very devout Catholic. And uh, he said, he's probably mad at me about that. And I th he's going to beat me up and, and maybe pull me over every chance he gets. I don't know. 
And I said, yes, sir, we, we did go by and see him. And, and uh, I, I said, uh, what, what can I do for you? He said, I just wanted to call and say thank you. I said, you did? Why? He said, I don't know what happened exactly. I don't know about this religion thing that, that, that you discussed or what happened to him. He was reared in Catholicism, went to all the parochial schools and everything, but it didn't work. He said, but just that, that couple hours around the kitchen table, he said, you gave my son back to me. I want to thank you. He said, do you like fishing? I said, yes, even if I didn't. <laughs> Chief of police, you like fishing? Yes, sir. How many can you catch? I don't know. What do you think? You know, I said, yeah, I like fishing. He said, good. I got a 45-foot cabin cruiser. You and Rogan and my son and, your, and myself, we're all going to go fishing. I said, fine. He said, pick a day. I said, you pick a day. He said, you can't go on Sunday, can you? I said, no. He said, well, he said, I think we can all work out some time off during the week. And we did, went out fishing. I got to know this guy real well, loved him. Was never able to win him to Christ. Uh, well, you, you, you all been there. I mean, they like you and you like them and, and they agree with you and you're on your side and he's glad to have his son. I just never could win him to the Lord. I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, the report was not all that uh, complete that I received. But Paul Jankovich the police officer who was saved in his home, somehow lost his life in the line of duty. I never was clear exactly who, who fired and who shot. Or I just know that he was hit by a bullet in, in the course of his duty and took his life. Devastating. He got, saved, he got saved, he got baptized in our church, became a member. We loved him. Our church people rallied around him and his family and to have someone removed from me like that, just suddenly a young guy in his, in his early 30s. The father called me on the phone. He said, uh, Reverend, he said, we're having the service. He said, I, he said as you, are, you know, he said, we're, we're Catholics. He said, and we're going to have what we call the High Holy Mass. And, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful at all, and I wouldn't be disrespectful. I, I don't know all the different stages and steps and things, but I understand that that's one of, one of the highest uh, Catholic funeral services you can have and rather expensive. And uh, they, the, 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 the more you're up like that, you read more things out of that book that they have, and they have more people involved, and it's a bigger ceremony. And he said, we're having a high holy mass for my son. He said, that, that's just us. He said, we feel it. We, we got to. I said, well, Mr. Jenkins, he's your son. You can do whatever funeral arrangements you want. He said, but I told the, and again, I don't know what he is. He's one of those guys, and I, and I was with him. He had one of these big old tall red hats on his head and all the big, and he was in the rank. He was like a, he was like a general in an army. He was way up there. And uh, he said, I told this guy that you were going to have a say in this funeral service or I wasn't going to let him have it. Well, that was going to cost the Catholic Church a lot of money. We're talking about thousands and multiply thousands of dollars for, one, for, for the kind of mass that he had for him. He said, would you do that? Brother Davis, there's no restriction to what you say or anything. Would you do that? Well, man, I was only like 24, 25 years old. I didn't have wisdom, not that I have much now, but 
I didn't know that, should I speak in a Catholic church? I mean, I didn't know. And I, all I knew was, I wanted him to the Lord. I felt bad, his wife. And I got a chance to speak. And I said, well, yeah, just tell me when. I'll stand up and speak. So I got there. And I went to the, to the back of the room where they were getting ready for, for the service. They said, go back there and, and meet this guy. And he'll tell you when you're supposed to do your thing. And first thing, I walked in. I had on a business suit like this. And I walked in. They said, would you like a robe, reverend? And I shouldn't have said that. I was kind of 24, smart allocated, you know. And I said, no, I just got my suit out of the cleaners. And uh, <laughs> didn't need to cover it up with a robe, you know. I said, no. I'm, and he sort of looked at me. And I, I said, no, no, I, I don't need a robe. Thank you. <clears throat> and he said, when, when this guy, I, I think the name Monsignor comes to mind or something. But when, when this guy gets done, he, he'll nod to you. And, and that'll be your sign for you to come out there and, and, and just have your say whatever length of time you want I said 20 minutes whatever 30 minutes and i said hush and uh I said oh, i'll do that well i was sitting over there on the side of the big gigantic catholic church several thousand people seated in there supreme court justices were in the front row because this was the sun of a chief of police the lieutenant governor was there there were thousands of police officers from around the state of New Jersey there channel 2 channel 4 channel 7 and 11 were there filming the whole thing and I'm sitting over here in this big old giant marble slab altar thing all by myself following along in this book that they're reading out of, and big old long book, and reading page after page after page after page, and and and, and we read so much of it so often. I remember, to the, I remember this day some of the things that, that they read: "Hail Mary, full of grace; blessed art thou in the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Pray for us now and the hour of our death. Amen." And then the people would respond back, and then another page, another page, and, and finally, the old guy with a tall hat. By the way, old he he was eighty-two years old. He turned and he, he motioned for me. And I thought, oh, wait, oh wait, it's my turn. So I, I got out there and, and he said, uh, now, yeah, all those television cameras, judges, political officers, thousands of police officers there. He turned to me and he said, Reverend Davis, in, in, in the spirit of ecumenicism, I want you to read page 17. Look out there, high seven, eleven, four, two, <laughs> Supreme Court justices, lieutenant governor. <laughs> and then I looked over towards it, all those thousands of police officers there. I looked over toward this side, and the chairman of my deacons are sitting over here with our people. I looked over towards him, and he's looking like, <laughs> oh, wow. So... I, I tried to be discreet, but he had one of those little things on here picking up our conversation, those lapel mic things. And I said, uh, you, you, just, you just go ahead and read it. He said, no. In the spirit of ecumenicism, <laughs> Reverend Davis, I would like you to read page 17. Does anybody know what pressure is? I thought, you know, if I just read this, God would understand Hail Mary, full of grace, blessed art thou. 
through thy womb, Jesus. Pray for us now in the hour of our death. Amen. I don't really mean it, God, but I'm under pressure down here. So I said, I said, I, I, I can't read that. You, you just read it. He said, no, you, you read page 17. I guess with a hat that tall, you used to getting what you want. I said, no, I, I'm not reading page 17. He said, I want you to read page 17. priests and they had guys wearing white robes they, they called them deacons Finally, one of the, the guys in a white robe turned and he said all he wants you to do is read page 17 he's trying to be nice to you read it I looked at the guy I said you read it he turned around and he grabbed the book out of the old fellow's hand and he pulled around here and he said hail Mary full of grace blessed are thou the fruit of thy womb Jesus pray for us now and of our death amen I was under pressure extreme pressure excruciating pressure the place was that Catholic Church the people were all these officers Supreme Court justice sheriffs TV cameras I was under pressure Satan had a plan and I stood there as a kid preaching. I said, man, why in the world am I in this situation? And I said, I can't do it. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I won't. Amen. Even though part of me said, just do it and get it over with. Yeah. By the way, I was able to have my own little thing after when he finally got unmad at me for not reading page 17. <laughs> and I walked to the little pulpit thing they had. There's over on the side, the way they have it set up. And I stood over there on the side, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that I know Paul Jankovich very well, and I know something that happened to him at his kitchen table not that long ago. I said, and for those of you that are concerned about him, let me just give you an assurance. He is not waiting somewhere right now being purged, waiting to go to heaven later. I said, the Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, and that's where he is right now. And let me tell you how he got there. And I preached and gave an invitation. 23 police officers raised their hand to get saved. Over 300 others did. God moved in that place. And I say, praise God. What if I had bowed to the, would I have had any credibility of those folks? Probably not. Thank God I did not bow to the pressure. And thank God when it came time to give the promotion, God promoted. Not that man with the hat on. By the way, you will be put under pressure. Sexual temptations and, and moral decisions that you have to make and ethical choices. Pressure will come. I'm here to tell you today, let God help you through the pressure. Set your goal. Set your face as the Bible said Jesus did. As a flint toward the cross. Let nothing pull you to the right. Let nothing pull you to the left. I don't care what the place is. I don't care who the person is. I don't care what the plan is. Stay on course. Well, that made the Nebuchadnezzar mad. He said, all right, I'm throwing you in the fire. Not only was there that place of temptation and the people and the plan and the pressure, but I'd like to remind you that something always comes to those who stay their course. 
I'd like to tell you that the next point of the message is the protection. It's found in verse number 16. Look there with me, please. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Though they said, we don't even have to think about this. We, we know what our answer is. We, we already figured out the answer before you ever asked the question. And then they said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But I want you to notice something to follow that up, and I love this about these men. But if not, verse 18, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods. You never base your choice on the possible outcome of your choice. I better say yes or I might perish. They said no. I don't care if I perish or not. The answer is still no. You know, when you get that kind of grit in your crawl, you're probably going to make it to the end. When you get that kind of grit in your crawl, you'll probably be able to be in the ministry until you die. If you get that kind of grit in your crawl that the answer is no to these temptations, I don't care what the results are. I don't care who writes an article about me. I don't care who says something about me. I don't care what pressure comes from every side. I don't care what the plan is. I don't care who the people are. I don't care where the place is. The answer is I'm not going to give in the temptation. Do what you want. I'm standing. By the way, a lot of our friends that we talked about going to college together, we're glad for those that are here. There's a heap of them that aren't. Because they did not settle this question. I'm asking you to settle it today. Right now. Why? I'll tell you why. Because in that protection that you see in verse 16 comes something very almost sacred to me. And I'd like to spend just a second talking to you about it. Look at verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. The form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He, he used to like them before they messed up like this. And therefore he spake and he said, all right. He commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the fire, 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 furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and hosen and their hats and their other garments. I always wonder why they had to dress up so warm to get thrown in the fire. But they were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So if some liberal tries to tell you, well, the fire wasn't really all that hot, then why did it kill the guys on the outside of the furnace? Verse 23 says, These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did, did, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto, unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men. I see four men. But tell you something, thank God for that fourth man. Thank God that no matter what you're going through, if you look to the right, look to the, you're going to see that fourth man standing there somewhere. He's the one with his arms open wide and he says, I love you. I don't care what comes your way. I don't care what the place is. I don't care who the people are. I don't care what the plan is. I am here with you. Yeah. 
Don't turn aside. Don't stop. Don't quit. Keep on going. Don't you give in to temptation. I'm going to protect you. I'm here. I'm here when things are going well. I'm here when the furnace is hot. But you can always count on one thing. I'm here. I know sometimes you might feel lonely. I know sometimes it might get overwhelming what you've got to face and go through. I know sometimes in the ministry you say, how in the world can I go another day? What am I going to do about this? Well, what in the world's the answer to this problem? I don't know all the answers, and I don't know all the ifs and outs and the ins and outs of the things. But one thing I've learned down through these years, thank God the fourth man is always there by your side. If you don't turn away, you turn. It's amazing how you can walk away from his presence. I don't want to walk away from his presence. And the temptation to turn sometimes has been excruciating. But thank the Lord. Every time you feel like this is it, the door of the furnace flies open and the wicked one throws you in. And you say, That's, I, I'm done, it's it, it's over, I can't finish. There he is standing over in the corner says, it's all right. It's not fun what you're going through. But I'm right next to you, pal. I want you to see something. Then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 26, came near and to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. The Bible doesn't say this. If I had been scripting the story, I wish Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have said, nah, come on in and get us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd have gone to you. He said, come on out here. We got to talk. And that brings us down to the, where we began a moment ago, verse 28, where it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was not his language before this, was it? Before that, his man bowed down, worship false god, this golden image, what's wrong, I'll burn you up. And all of a sudden he said, Blessed be your God. And then he said, by the way, while I'm, while, I'm, while I'm issuing decrees about this thing, I got another decree to issue. Anybody ever makes fun of your God, let them be cut into pieces. And then he said, by the way, I want to promote you three fellas. I want to give you a place of prominence. Sometimes we seek the place of prominence by taking the path of least resistance. That leads to mediocrity. And I'm not saying that your goal in life is to be prominent. But can I just tell you this? Anybody that I know of personally in the Lord's work who is prominent has come through the fire. And it's been because they didn't turn aside even though the place said, you better turn. The people said, you better, you better turn. And the plan said, you better turn. And for some reason, they reached way down inside, remembered a decision they made somewhere at an altar next to their bed in devotion time and said, no. I, I said a long time ago, I'm not turning. I want to because I don't want to go into fire, but I'm, I'm just not going to turn. And God says, good. You're who I've been looking for. Young men, could I plead with you as a fellow that's been the work of the Lord a little bit? Certainly not done all that I wished I could have done for the Lord. And he knows that's true. Could I just tell you just to, just to keep doing it? Young ladies, could I just beg you to stay in school? Young men, stay in school. Finish it. Finish the course. Because, you see, God also has a plan for you. But you've got to stay on his path. 
or he can't get you there. Some of you in your college career will have a place or a person or a plan that tries to pull you off aside. By the way, some of the places, some of the people, they're not mean, they're not wicked, they're not, they're not, they're not trying to be destructive, they're just, they're a voice that's trying to get you to step off the path. Lovingly decline to be pulled aside to stay the course. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.